I just came back from the salon. And for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time <laughs> with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells un. Believable, Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze's other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy. Conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Roe. Roe provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Roe to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Roe Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Roe, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roco slash andysgirls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash andysgirls. Sign up today. Hi. 
Hi guys, it's Andy's Girls, <laughs> episode 28. Can you believe we've come to 28 episodes? So exciting show for you today, my beloved AG listeners. We have um, a phenomenal interview with Leah Black. As you know, I took a little detour, a little fun sassy little trip on no notice to uh, Miami. And while I was there, I spent some quality time with Leah Black in her downtown headquarters. And I have to tell you, she was so phenomenal. So much shade, so much tea. I loved every second of it. It was a wide-ranging conversation. Uh, learned a lot. Learned a lot about production of the Real Housewives of Miami. Um, talked a little bit about, of course, the Black's Annual Gala, which she's been working on. Um, and Adriana, Joanna, the lawsuit with Brandy came up. It was phenomenal. So um, listen to that toward the end of today's app. couple things, guys. You know, I had to take a couple days after this election. Um, I am actually here, here, here in the Hamptons, took a jitney. Um, when they stopped for Quag, I looked for Cindy Barshop. I did not see her. I was extremely disappointed, nor did I see, you know, Ramona riding on a pony. But, you know, we can't always get what we want. Um, and, you know, it's been an interesting couple days, guys. Um, I did have a little bit of a battle with... Um, <laughs> Uh, friend of the show, Jackie, who I'm going to call our official Andy Scrolls field reporter about some of Bethany's behavior on Twitter in the last two days. I would say if there's one way that our country can come together, perhaps now is the time for us all to just join hands in wondering what the fuck broke Bethany Frankel. And, you know, if we can't fix our country, certainly we can fix her mind. I mean, if you don't, if you haven't seen her little Twitter tirades, I just kind of watched her railing against what she thought was poor behavior of just people protesting. She thought it was ridiculous they were protesting to begin with, but the election results, and I just kind of thought, you know what, self, you know what, Sarah, seems like Bethany has become what she hates the most about Luann. She has absolutely no idea how she comes across. She couldn't be more privileged. She's the queen of mean-spirited attacks, but God forbid people protest the election itself. And it's about the future of our country and not who Luann is stooping on a given day. I mean, it's crazy to me what she chooses to fight and get insane about, that it wouldn't be about our president, no matter whom you voted for. Um, and I would assume by Bethany's anger that she voted. It's just so crazy to me that this is who she would launch an attack against. It was sort of bananas. I just kind of think we all need to come together and find a safe space in which to talk about the election and our future and also figure out how I can find Jason Hoppy on Tinder. Hashtag pray for Bren. Because I don't really know, guys. I think she's she's gone a little cuckoo. She's gone off the deep end. I don't know what I'm going to do with that sweatshirt. I do have fucks, apparently. I do not have zero fucks. I have at least four to seven fucks. Um, so, guys, before we dive into that um, 
Leah Black interview, which I'm so excited about. Couple, couple thoughts that I had watching Jersey. I don't remember anything that happened because it's all sort of washed away since Tuesday around 11 o'clock. Um, but I do remember that moment where Tree obviously completely loses her mind what's left of it after the clank and says that Jacqueline is somehow to blame or there's some sort of conspiracy that Jacqueline was in some way involved with the government finding out about trees endeavors and business dealings and whatever. And I just have to say, that's obviously ridiculous. I still sort of am on team tree. And I just think that they're both completely terrible people feeding off of each other's paranoia and it's not right, but it's okay. And maybe the star of the reunion part one with Siggy's son, because first off, he's a player, number one, as we found out from Siggy Flicker, which I wouldn't have guessed, number one. I, I wouldn't have guessed that Siggy's son was a was um, a ladies' man and not Dolores's like, hunk of meat that she calls one of her offspring. But um, Siggy saying that her son was nowhere near as attractive as Dolores's was both accurate and phenomenal. And I can't imagine what happened when she went home and her son was like, how'd the reunion go? And she's like, um, you know, it's great. It was really good. You could watch it. You could not watch it, whatever. I mean, I just thought it was kind of amazing. Um, switching gears to the OC, Kelly Dodd is obviously fucking Looney Tunes. Crazy. Nut job mess. But guys, I think she made the OC great again. I really do. I actually think, um, thank God for Kelly Dodd, Raging Lunatic, because it has completely changed the dynamic of the show. Speaking of dynamics, Shannon's excuse about not knowing her friends had Kelly's, had info about Kelly or knew Kelly was problematic. I think if you looked at Tamara's face when Shannon's saying that, Tamara's like, ah, <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, I think it was problematic. However, overall, and always, I prefer the game of Shannon to Vicky's. So, you know, kiss my ass, Vicky. I mean, take a cupping class with your homeopathic chiropractor and arrange nine lemons in a bowl. You know, let me know how that goes for you. Cause I think it's going to go pretty well. And when Vicky goes low, Shannon goes high adjacent. And I appreciate that. I mean, I really do. I, I love me some Bajor. I don't care. Even when I know she's lying and guys, I really hundred percent think she was lying about the friends thing. I, I just love her. I just love her. And I'm scared for, um, what's going to happen in, um, next week's app when allegedly Vicky has, I don't even know records of Dave. I mean, like we've all seen the records that there was some sort of fight in their house, but Vicky saying I have proof, I think is, um, completely disgusting. Uh, that being said to say to someone, get off my show <laughs> is phenomenal. So kudos to Vicky for that. Um, one other note, guys, before we go to that Leah Black interview. So last on last week's app, Damien, OG of the AG, and I were talking about the Thunderdome, Michigas, because, you know, the papers, the papers and streets were saying that there was this like secret Facebook group of super uber devoted Real Housewives fans. And they had like hacked into Kelly's phone or something. I couldn't quite figure out what the hell was happening. Um, so guys, <laughs> hours after we posted last week's app, um, the creator of the Thunderdome got in touch with me and 
shout out to you, um, person whose name I am not using. And guys, if you ever have any like inside scoop, find me on Twitter, send me a DM, send me a Facebook message, die for it. Email me, whatever. Hashtag gossip. (laughs) Andy's girls gossip. Let me know because this is phenomenal and I essentially died. Um, so this person, he or she, gave me some intel in the background of the Thunderdome and how they thought to create it. This is directly from them. They said, I had an idea for a social experiment of sorts to make an offshoot group where nothing gets deleted, fighting is encouraged, and the only rule is you K-I-O-T-V, which means keep it on the board, hence the name Thunderdome. As far as the texts go, they were posted in a main, um, I'm just going to sort of paraphrase what they're saying, a main group of um, housewife super fans. I assume by this person, but um, at that point, the leader of the Thunderdome had been kicked out of this main housewife super secret Facebook group for setting up the Thunderdome. I guess they like found out that they set it up and they kicked this person out. It's phenomenal. Um, so in the original post, cause guys, we've all seen these screenshots. This is how this whole thing started. We saw these screenshots of a conversation between, um, Kelly, her husband, Michael, and someone that she thought Michael was stooping, which he was like, I'm not, I'm not let them, uh, defend themselves. Um, so in the original post, the person that had somehow gotten Kelly's number, which wasn't a member of Thunderdome directly, hadn't blocked out her number. So a lot of people got it, called her, texted her, which is stupid, but that's why movie phone numbers all start with 555. Anyhow, over on the Thunderdome page, one of our guys told us that he had sent the messages to Shannon on Instagram. Shannon seemed amused, but that was about it. A girl of ours um, sent them to Tamra, which is, um, that girl is the one that Heather McDonald spoke about on her podcast, sent them to Tamra and was surprised to see Tamra be so responsive. It was around then that we realized that Kelly would be on Watch What Happens Live that evening and a plan got started to call her out. Frankly, I could give two fucks who Kelly sleeps with or claims to sleep with, but considering the fact that Michael was on the original text chain, it's not like we were outing her to her husband. True, although, I mean, a little bit of a shaming, but I get it, I get it. She was also, as you know, warned that this would be happening and chose not to tell Andy or the producers. I'm surprised her statement wasn't more polished, but then Kelly is pretty unpolished in general. Correct, obvious, 2016. We are not anti-Vicky or anti-Kelly in the slightest. And in fact, a few days before Kelly won our Friday Thunderdome throwdown, where the question was, if you could only have back Heather Dubrow or Kelly, who would you choose? And Kelly won resoundingly. Sidebar, um, totally agree with him. Continuing on, hopefully the outpouring of fan support here has helped with that. And the only quote unquote mission is to talk shit about the housewives, their husbands, their dogs, their kids in a place where no one will be censored. Jiggy is nodding his head somewhere in Beverly Hills. We are all adults and police ourselves. Racist, homophobic, sexist behavior gets shut down pretty quickly, but by other members, not moderators. Guys, how timely with election results that they're making sure racist, homophobic, sexist behavior gets shut down. I love him. Into it. Anyway, guys, that was some direct intel and background on the creation of the Thunderdome from the creator, him or herself. Um, hopefully that clarifies a little bit that they weren't hacking into Kelly's phone. It's just someone posted a photo to a larger 
secret Facebook group. And then was it secret? It might not be secret, larger secret, a larger Facebook group. And then the secret Facebook group, Thunderdome, um, took it upon themselves to think about pranking, um, Kelly Dodd and watch what happens live, which was good in the sense that it, it got us this info. I guess, I mean, I don't like anything that has to deal with someone releasing private conversations that weren't, um, meant to exist in the, you know, in public, unless it has anything to do with Brooks, um, and cancer gate. And then I'm a hundred percent in, or, you know, a Vicky rubber bracelet. If you have some Intel on how much those cost in Taiwan, please let me know. Reach out. Um, guys, I'm going to now turn it all over. Um, I know that you all will love our phenomenal audio, um, in the headquarters in Miami. I know that you will appreciate <laughs> the staff behind it. And I hope you enjoy a fabulous, um, interview that I had with a lovely Leah Black and stay tuned next week, guys. Um, an easy, even sassier, um, more phenomenal app where we'll, we'll really dive, uh, right back into OC, uh, New Jersey. And of course, um, what's happening on Atlanta. So I'm going to twirl away and kick it off to myself and Leah Black. Enjoy guys. Andy's Girls listeners, so exciting. A very special episode and interview with the mayor of Miami, Leah Black. Leah, I'm so excited to be here. So thrilled to, um, in your presence. Oh my God, you're hilarious. can't even <laughs> believe it. I'm in, listeners, I'm in the world of Leah Black oh, here in Miami. It is a pretty crazy world, isn't it? It is. We're all whirled out here. <laughs> so it's so terrific to have you. And listeners, this is the mayor of Miami, Texas native, mom, wife, charity fundraiser, businesswoman galore. Tell us a little bit about where we are, the companies that you're working on, things that you're excited about. Well, you know, for 20-something years, we did the charity event, Jason and I. This year, we haven't done it because we haven't booked a talent, but we're working on a couple of talents. Oh, great. But when we get the talent booked, we'll, we'll book the event. But, I mean, it's hard at this point because we've had so much great talent. The bar is so high and right. the guests are so spoiled. It's so extraordinary. So yeah, so last year, because we had Aretha Franklin, so now we've got to try to at least get that level. And we've had everybody. I mean, we've had Pharrell and uh, Tony Bennett and Queen Latifah did that duo together. Amazing. We've had them all. So it's getting hard. <laughs> to convince people. <laughs> so are you thinking about having the Black Scala next year, do you think? Or well, you if, thinking... as soon as we get the talent, we'll book a date. And we That's have great. a couple, we have several plates spinning. In fact, that was that guy calling me a few minutes ago and I cut him off because we were doing the, we do this Wednesdays noon on live Facebook. And he was calling while I was on live Facebook. So I should have put him on a quick phone. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any talent for the uh, breaking interview. news, breaking gossip, right here on Live with Leah, Wednesdays at noon. So where okay. can listeners go to find out more about your jewelry collection, handbags, beauty? What are you excited about that you're working on well, right now? Well, the leahblack.com features our skincare line, which I've had since I was 20 years old. I started working with a laboratory that did lines for YSL and people like that back right. when I was 20 years old, and I created this sudden youth skincare product. And 
that came about because my grandmother, who now is 100 years old, <clears throat> I just went to see her in Texas last week, she's 100 years old. Amazing. That grandmother and my other grandmother concocted this formula with aloe vera and albumin, which is or egg whites, that when you paint it on your face, it literally would just iron out the wrinkles and tone and firm and tighten the wrinkles. I mean, your face, it just looked unbelievable. So my grandmother was like 50, 60. She never got any wrinkles. Now she's 100, and she still hardly has any wrinkles. Oh and they've used that forever. So I decided to try to create it where I could package it up for myself instead of mixing egg whites and aloe vera gel in a messy thing. So I started for my own selfish reasons of liking it and sharing it with my friends, and then I just created the product, and then we started selling it, and then, you know, 20-something years later, well, I was 20 then, I'm like, oh, I'm 25 now, so five years later, <laughs> a few years later, I'm still Phenomenal. selling it. It's called Sudden Youth, S-U-D-D-E-N, Youth, Sudden Youth. So it started with Sudden Youth, and then over the years, I've created over 400 different product lines, including... Shampoos and hair care, nail care, skin care, fragrances. Come here, baby. The little dogs bugging. Yeah, we have a little puppy. Little James puppy in the present. Friends of the housewives. Come here, baby. And so, go see your uncle James. <laughs> <laughs> the only one that gives him treats. Um, and so I uh, did that, and then I set up distribution all over the world: Prague and Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, and Canada, and Montreal, and I mean just everywhere, and Switzerland, and all over. And then um, when I got married, I decided I wanted to work that hard, so I sold the company, and I just didn't do anything. And then I had my kid, and I didn't do anything. And then, then the show started, and my kid was in school, and I'm like, you know what? I'm already back out there working again, so I'll just do it again. So I did it again, but I did it differently. Now we just do online sales in the U.S., Great. and we export. And how has that been? It's been an uphill battle doing online sales. It was a business I didn't know, mm -hmm. and I didn't know what I didn't know. And uh, But now that I've gotten people around me that know what they're doing, and we're doing well. But it was a struggle. How influential do you think being on The Housewives has been for the growth of your company, and certainly for brand recognition? I mean, you had an established company before. years yeah. before. They didn't really showcase my product on the show. And I think we did the handbags. I think the they did one right. little... Uh, party at Renee right. Ray's where we had the handbags, but they never really featured any of my products on the show, so I would say it didn't really impact it or help it at all, to really? be honest with you. It's just, when, when I see these other shows, I'm like, oh my God, every day they're promoting somebody's I product. Know. Why didn't they give me a hot second <laughs> on my skincare? I mean, they should have given me all my skincare time since I was so gracious of a cast member. You were. So fabulous and easy to work with, and everyone just loved me so much. <laughs> How did you come up? <laughs> Tell me why you're not here right now. One of those people running for president who thinks they're so great. Um, How did you come on board the Housewives? You know, they I didn't even know about it. And all of a sudden, I started getting calls from everybody. You've got to be on the show. You've got to be on the show. You've got to be on the show. So I'm always open-minded. So, well, I'll, let me hear about it. So then once I heard about it, I was like, you know, I don't really think it's for me. But I met with the producers, and then I met... I met with a couple of the producers, but then I realized what they were doing. I had never watched the shows before. So I said, but you know what? I can get you some girls. So I started just rounding up people and organizing for them interviews. And before you knew it, they had their camera in my living room, and we had, like, interview after interview after interview. And the girls would just sit there, and they were afraid to say anything. You know, like, well, how long have you been in Miami? Five years. What do you do? 
uh, I work, you know, they wouldn't say anything. So I started doing the interviews with them. Like, right. oh, come on, tell them about the time you did this and tell them about the fight with your husband and tell them about your kid. And I started doing the interviews and helping with the interviews to get the girls talking. And the producer's like, you have to be on the show. You have to be on the show. You've got to be on the show. So then I thought, well, maybe I'll be on the show. And then <clears throat> my friend Ingrid Caceres said, you should be the, get on the show. Just do it. You'll be good at it. So I said, but I've never watched the show. So then my husband's law partner says, don't get on that show. You're going to regret mm -hmm. it. It's horrible. And he sent me this link to watch one of, part of one of the shows. And the only show I ever saw was the time that Teresa Giudici had flipped that table. Oh, no. So I'm that Danielle. scared me away. Right. So I said, no, I'm not going to do it because it scared me. I was like, I, that's not my kind of a thing. You know, I'm not a cat fighter like that. And then, little my little, they lured me back in with, it's not going to be like that, it's going to be classier than that, and blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden, I just found myself doing it. I don't even know how I wound up doing it. You felt like the central role throughout the series. There are certain cast members of franchises, I would say Lisa in Beverly Hills, Jill in New York, Meanie in Atlanta, where the friendships and relationships all came to be on camera because of one central figure. Did you feel that when you were shooting? Um, I felt like that I started out giving everybody uh, a really wanting to showcase them and wanting to help them. And I, I was never the one that wanted to be like the star of the show. I was mm -hmm. like, you know, I like to show them off and help them out and have them look good and have them be like being the cheapest piece of real estate and a piece of property. And so I kind of wound up kind of being everybody's friend and getting along. And then <clears throat> the next season, um, that was the first season, and, right. then, and then and then the, and I always had the best ideas because these girls wouldn't do anything or spend any money. I was like, plan a party and spend the money. I put them in the limo and go somewhere else, and you know, I would spend the money and have a party and do stuff to make the show great, you know. And none of them were like jumping in and doing that. So I felt like, you know, I'm just going to do the best I can to make the show successful, whether no matter what happens. Then the next year, they brought on those two other girls, Lisa and Joanna, and they brought a lot of energy to the show. And then things started heating up a little bit. And then I became sort of, I guess, popular on the show to some degree because, well, again, you know, I had the charity event and I brought in right. Joe Francis and I brought in, you know, I brought a lot of stuff to the show. And then some of those girls got really jealous. And the next year they just made me the pinata. And I was just like, well, just keep hitting because the more you hit me, the more sugar is going to come out. You also felt, you felt like the consistent voice, voice of the audience sort of Greek chorus. I mean, the first season was, <laughs> yeah. the first season was a little rough. It felt yeah. like the casting, yeah. some of the people, Larsa never seemed comfortable being on right. TV. She wanted to talk about how nice she was yeah. forever, which isn't, which is yeah. nice for her, but not necessarily she great television. She didn't really want to interact with Miami. She wanted to shoot with her sister and her brother and her friends in Fort Lauderdale and this and that and the other. And she missed an opportunity by doing that. But I was friends with Larsa before the show. I knew her and Scott years ago. We've known each other for years. I don't know her like we're not best friends, but we've always gotten along. I've never had a cross word with her. But I could. I kept trying to get her to shoot with me. I said, Larsa, you've got to come down and get in the game. Come on. Why do you keep? And she just didn't want to do it. And uh, Christy, I knew Christy. <clears throat> I mean, I saw, my son was four years old when I went to her kids' birthday parties the first time I met her through Ingrid. So I had known her kind of off and on for years. But I could tell they were trying to kind of create an island of their own. And I, the, I, could, I mean, I wasn't the producer. I didn't understand how the shows worked. And I probably could have done more to get them to be more inclusive, but I really didn't. And a lot of the girls didn't like Christy. Some of the other girls didn't like her. 
And I didn't really, I always thought she was cute and fun. I had that one spat with her about the charity. Where, oh you my know, gosh, which the is, invoicing, which I thought, I genuinely <laughs> thought you were spot on. Absolutely correct. I remember watching the episodes and thinking I would have done the exact same thing. How dare she? And saying that I was just going to go to a part of it and I was going to go to the cocktail mingle. It's like, sweetie, this is a charity event. Who do you think I is know. paying the bills? Well, see what it just bought. It just it pushes to the charity is the one thing that will push my buttons because I feel like if I, I mean, Jason, I'll tell you, I funded that charity for 10 or 15 years. I mean, I paid for the postage. I, they worked out of my house for 15 something years. And it's an I paid extraordinary for the food. Cost. It cost a lot. And I made my husband and myself, we always make a donation. Everybody in my husband's office bought their ticket. I mean, everybody bought their ticket. Even my best friends had to buy their tickets. So I'm like, if you can afford $600 for a pair of shoes and a ball gown, you can buy your own damn ticket. Absolutely. So it just hit, hit me the wrong way. And I probably was a little harder on her than I had to be, but I couldn't get any gift from her. You know, she wouldn't, sure. like, give me anything to work with. Like, you know what, I probably should have paid, and here's a donation. So I, I didn't... I. I probably went a little too far with her, not not meaning to, but that's how I am about the charity. I mean, when I had Barry Gibb in my house, two or three of my really good friends stood on the porch fighting with me, and this one of them started crying. Remember, Jason? And she's like, oh, I can't believe we come to your house and play with your kid all the time, and you're not going to let us in. I'm like, of course I'm not letting you in. Give me your credit card, and then you can get in. Amen. You know? And so I just, I run the charity like a business, you know? And so I guess, you know, it comes across kind of hard. And I consider myself a cheerful dictator <laughs> with Amen. the charity. Because if you sit around and, with a committee of people and then let everybody bring a free, free guest and everybody right. have an opinion and everything, you'll never get anything done. So that was what happened with that. Do you regret the disillusion of the relationship that you had with Marisol that sort of seemed to happen because of events that occurred relating to the Well, gala. first of all, before the show, I only knew Marisol because I had seen her at a couple of parties. And she had come to a couple of my charity. She came one of my charity events that I recall she came to. And she got really, really drunk, fell on the floor, spun around, and thought it was hilarious and bragged about it, told oh, everybody how funny no. she was. It was the time Barry Gibb was there. And I never said anything. I let it slide. And I thought, oh, she drank too much. And so I didn't really know her that well. But then Jason came to me and begged, begged to give her the job as PR. And I said, listen, for 15 years I had Valerie Zucker do it for free. Why would I give her this gig? He's like, she needs the money, Leah, please. Is my friend. She's going to do a good job. He was so loyal to her. You have no idea. He was always getting her business. And so I said, okay. And I said, but I just can't justify paying for it. And he said, well, we'll get a sponsor to pay for it. So we did. We got a sponsor to pay for it. And then she became a guest. Instead of working the event like, like she was supposed to be working it, she thought she was a guest at the event. Well, that was okay, too. But then it just escalated from there. And when I got mad about it is when she said she was, didn't pay. She wasn't paid to do it. You know, I've got the canceled checks. You were paid to do it. So just fess up. So, I mean, that was really the crux of it. Once again, it was the charity. I run it like a business, and they want to run it like a party. And the final straw was when, she, when her girls gave, like, a bunch of wristbands to people to come and crashed the party when Lil Wayne was performing. So he's on the stage performing. My guests are sitting on the front row that paid $2,500 a ticket, and 20 teeny boppers run in and stand in front of them, jumping and coming down for Lil Wayne, and they've got wristbands that came from her organization. And I'm like, enough. And so we had a falling out about it. And do I regret it? No. Because I, since then, I've 
my eyes opened up and I know who she is and I think she's dark and rotten to the core. So I have absolutely no space for her in my life. Have you seen her out in the world of Miami? Have there been any other, any housewife related events? I mean, I know that she was at Luann's Bachelorette with Alexia a week or so ago. I, I don't associate with her. Really? I just, I just don't associate with people that don't have integrity. I just won't do it. Do you have a relationship with Mama Elsa? Who I, know I did. Not... That was part of what irritated right. me about her. That's when her true colors came out once again. She got jealous on my relationship with Elsa and she cut it off. Which was such a <laughs> sweet relationship. I mean, there was something yes, incredibly was. pure about it. It was. Which was lovely to see yes. on TV. And let me tell you, that's the, really the core of why when I saw her true colors. Because when Elsa was sick, Jason will tell you, I sent her flowers twice. No one else sent her flowers. I sent her cards two or three times. No one else sent her cards two or three times because I genuinely felt bad for her. Because when we were filming, she would call me and she'd say, I don't want to go. The girls want me to go. So they, get, would say yeah, so, they, so they get in the ride in the limousine, and once they get there, they're going to ignore me. And I would convince her to go because production would be saying, you know, get her there, get her there, get her right. there. So I'd come on, Elsa. If you go, I promise I'll sit and talk to you. Nobody knew she was going to be big. Uh, like a big fan favorite or people were going to love her that she they were going to film her that much or she was going to be a big deal on the show right. I didn't know that I was genuinely taking care of her and, and hanging out with her because I liked her and I found her to be more interesting than some of the other girls and so that's why I was genuinely hanging out with her and I guess Marisol somehow got jealous of that and then she denied that I sent the flowers and she denied that I sent the cards when I had the proof from the receipts that I had paid for them that I had, and, and James, who's bugging her. You know? <laughs> There's a little and puppy, so, listeners. There's a little puppy. About your Making friends of my silver and so, skirt. Uh, you know, she basically just cut me off and won't let me talk to her anymore. And then she said, well, you just wanted to film with her because she was popular. Well, I didn't know she was popular. Right. She wasn't. Nobody knew who was going to be popular when we were filming. We didn't know until after the season was over who was going to be popular. And Marisol's behavior at the season three reunion was a little strange. The Skyping in her father, who didn't have anything of substance to say. I mean, he was an older gentleman. Obviously, they had had a conversation before about him talking about something, but it just felt a little bit out of character with the plot or perhaps the only plot that she had at she that point was, was talking about her family. She was hanging on by nails because the only reason she was on the show was because of her mother. And then when her mother wouldn't film or couldn't film anymore, she didn't have anything. So she turned her whole story in line into me, Leah being not caring about her mother. When I, the truth is I was the only one that really did care about her mother, including when she fainted twice. And I said the second time, listen, she should not be filming without someone with her all the time. Right. And Marisol heard that like I didn't want her to film anymore. No, I thought it was fine. But you can't take a woman into a room of 500 people where it's 95 degrees and not have someone tending to her all the time when she's already fainted once. Right. And so when I said something about that, she took that and twisted it into, oh, she doesn't want my mom filming. She's jealous of my mom filming. I'm like, well, what are you? People are crazy. They're just crazy. Right. I can't, I don't deal well with crazy or stupid. Speaking of crazy, maybe not so much stupid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, what did you think about the transition of this show from season one to two? There was a pretty huge shift. Yes. Season one was themed around, you know, weekly sort of dinner parties, experiences, right. people sort of figuring out each other's relationships. Yeah. You really know this show. I do. Oh, we are uber fans oh, here God. at AG Central. 
Okay. Season two, you know, Joanna joins, Lisa joins. Yes. More kind of in line with the classic Housewives world. Correct. I mean, there was a lot of plot. Yes, don't let him fall <laughs> off the table. <laughs> there was a lot of plot that seemed organic and then became, it seemingly felt a little scripted when we got that to season three. That is when Marisol decided to get even with me for calling her out on the charity. And that's when she decided to contrive all the stuff about I didn't care about her mother and try to bring me down. And her and Adriana and Alexia and Anna would go have meetings at my friend's store and sit and gossip and talk about how they were going to bring me down. During filming? Yeah, and plot the, No, they weren't filming that. They were behind the scenes. But and during they were production. Plotting how to bring me down and what they were going to do and who was going to say what and, you know, all the stuff that they were going to do. Well, no one knew what was going on at the time. After the show... Uh, my friend told me about it. And I said, why didn't you tell me during the show? She said, we thought it was part of the show. We thought they were there working. We thought that's how it worked. I had no idea that, that, that you were going to be caught surprised. I was like, I was totally blindsided. I have never done anything to any one of those girls. Well, there felt like there were certain points of friction that didn't feel true. I would say the friction between Joanna and Lisa, certainly at the season three reunion, felt a little forced. A lot of that anger and frustration that erupted at the reunion seemed real in the sense that Lisa seemed genuinely upset, but it felt a little bit like there was some producing going on in the background. What I think it was, I don't think it was that. I think it was that they held back the whole season and didn't confront each other, and then it all just came out. So there was no context for it. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? I do. There was just like no context for it. It's like you're all of a sudden you're getting along, you're friends, you go to the reunion, you start this fight over nothing. Had they had some conversation or conflict or, you know, uh, something to indicate there was a problem there and then it erupted, then there would be like, oh, I get it, finally came to a head. So I think that was the one thing. The second thing, Joanna said something that just set Lisa totally off. I mean, just off. She went crazy and she was going to leave during the filming. And I talked her down off the cliff and then the producers came in and calmed her down. Was this the wedding stuff? That, about the wedding. Right. And, you know, Something happened. I'm not going to talk about it. Yeah. Right. And so, uh, you know, and I, I really didn't have a bone to pick with either one of them. I mean, I got along with every, I got along with all of them. I got along with uh, uh, Larsa. I got along with Christy. I got along with uh, Joanna. I got along with Karen. I got along with Lisa. I got along with all of those girls. It was the other mob that I didn't get along with. And so I was just, I was hurt for for Lisa because I knew that she didn't want that to, you know, be talked about. And I felt bad for Joanna because Joanna was just being honest and saying what she had heard. And I don't think she realized the consequences or how big of a deal it was to say that. I, I really don't think she intentionally, like, thought, oh, my God, you know, I'm going to go after her and, and really You don't think her. it was that. It felt a little bit to viewers like there was yeah. some sort of... Not planned, because I think that yeah. feels a little too advanced, but that there was a feeling of this is something that will create some kind of drama. Yeah. She felt a little bit like Let me hold you a comparison that I could make. You know what, I think that, I think what happened too was, you know, I, they never really got along. They, got they're friendly. But they, they didn't really get along for whatever reason. And Joanna always felt that Lisa was just fake. And Lisa, for some reason, never really liked Joanna. And that I know just from personal conversations. But, but there was not enough there for them to fight on the show. So I think that it was just... 
she want, Lisa said a couple of things that she, Joanna just thought were just not true, and she just said, that's enough, I've had enough. You're not getting away with this anymore, and she called her out. And then Lisa went crazy. Lisa's a girl that can dish it. She can really dish it. You know, like she says, oh, I mean, she dished it to me three or four times. Oh, I snubbed her or something stupid, just little stuff. But if you, but if you say something about her, she can't take it. She really, really can't take it. Have you kept in touch with any of the housewives since filming? Are you still yeah. friendly with Joanna? I'm very friendly, friendly with Joanna. I'm friendly with Lisa. I'm friendly with Karen. Um, I'm friendly with Lars at a distance, but she's not here that much. And, you know, Christy, I sometimes keep up with her and sometimes I don't. What did you think about Larsa's divorce announcement? Did you, was that something I that you found out? I was very shocked you about were. that because, I, did, I mean, let me tell you, they were a very, very tight couple. Really? He, he never, to, to my knowledge, and you know baseball players always cheat. To my knowledge, he never cheated on her. And uh, they were very close. They, they were always together. Come here. And so I don't, I was very shocked about that. But now I hear there's some conversation about them right, reconciling, together. which I, is I pretty a pretty quick pivot from yeah. announcement of separation to maybe them realizing that it was sort of a final move that they weren't interested in taking yet. Maybe I hope they get back together. They've got those four kids that are just darling, right. and and Scotty's a good guy. He's a really good guy. You know? Did you have interaction with him? I don't remember him ever being on camera. He was on the show a couple of times. He did yoga one time on their friend's boat, and he was on it. But see, once again, that was Larsa <clears throat> not really wanting to film with us, wanting to go film with her Lauderdale friends or other friends, and that's why she didn't really tie in and have a connection with the other girls. Speaking <clears throat> of connections, season three... The reunion at season three felt a little difficult because when it came to your relationship and estrangement with um, Adriana, yeah, it felt sort of similar to Jill and Bethany in the sense that there was a relationship that seemed very close, that seemed to have been in existence prior to the show, yeah. continued, stayed pretty strong, and then completely split apart. So at the beginning of season three in New York, Bethany and um, Jill are at war. Beginning of season three in Miami was the shocking news that Adriana was secretly married. For five years. For five years, <laughs> which brought up a lot of questions. And did you notice that not any one of the girls but me and Joanne ever questioned her about it? They all just act, went along with it like it was nothing because they were all covering for each other. See, they're like, we'll cover for you and you cover for us. And that's why the show didn't work. It seemed crazy, though, not to want to devote an entire season to it because there was so much that you had done in your relationship with her prior to the show, supporting her son, all of the Michigas with the Fisher Island bills yeah. and but the negotiations. Really oh, I oh really did, guys. And it felt like it felt like a genuine shock, also because in seasons past, the focus had been on is she ready to make a commitment to Frederick? Then I we find out she a already thirty thousand dollar engagement party. The last film that we did on season, season two, two, but they didn't show it. They did they edited it out, and, and they didn't even show it in the lost footage. And which was really ridiculous at a $30,000 party with caviar and Christophe champagne and all this fabulous stuff. And he got on his knee and he proposed and they had this big deal and they didn't even show it on the show. And it's too bad because it turns out the next year she turned out to be married. Did you ever have a conversation with her that wasn't filmed that was like, what the hell is happening? I had one big falling out with her, but it was what happened was I did not know she was married. 
And people started thinking that I maybe knew she was married. Well, of course I didn't know. If I would have known she was married, I would have been helping her with her bills and helping her with her school and helping her with everything else. Or maybe I would have, but at least I would have known what I was doing. You know, I wouldn't have been tricked about it. So what happened was somebody on Twitter tweeted out that they were married with a marriage license, and it made the Miami Herald. Right. Well, Marisol convinced her that I put it in the Herald, and I swear to God, on my son and on my 100-year-old grandmother that's in the hospital right now, I did not have anything to do with putting in the press. I was more shocked than anybody. And the reason I was so shocked is because it made me look like a fool, number one, that I didn't know. But I didn't know. So she turned on me because she was convinced by the hate group that I put in the paper. And I didn't put it in the paper. And that was one of the reasons. And so from then on, it was just, there was a problem between us because I can't deal with people that are liars. I don't like liars. Did she ever try to negotiate with you off camera to say, you know, like, this? listen, I fucked up. This is something that we should talk about. No, I got into the fight with her. at the, It was, uh, I think it was Halloween. And let's see, that came out in the paper in October, November, right around Halloween or Christmas, and went to my friend DJ's Christmas party, and she was there. And I just told her off. And right. she, instead of her backing down and apologizing, she made an excuse for everything. And I just said, you know, fine. I said, I really do not care that you were married for five years. I do not care. What I care is that all these things I did for you right. for seven years, and then when we're on the reunion, and I'm being attacked with lies, that you didn't stand up for me. That's what I'm mad at you about. And guess what? The reason she didn't stand up for me was because she was in on it. They were all plotting it together. And when I found out they were all plotting it together is when I said, I can't have this negative people in my they life. They were plotting what? Attacking me at the reunion. Really? That's why she didn't defend me. She couldn't defend me. She was in on the attack. She was writing notes and coming up with ideas for the girls to attack me with. So you had had this genuine friendship with her pre-show. I wouldn't say it was genuine. I you would wouldn't? Say, I was would it more because of this relationship between your sons? I would say I have right now probably five or six people like Adrian in my life. People okay. that are struggling, that I'm helping their kids through college, or I'm helping them get a car. Ask Jason. Jason, how many do I have? People like Adrian in my life. Well, I Adrian in my life. I said that five or six at any given time. So she was one of many that I was always helping. And the reason I helped her more was because her, my son idolized her son. They went to school together. Right. He was two years older. My son just idolized him. And I felt sorry for her. So I'd say, I'll pay for the tennis lessons. Don't worry. I'll pay for Disneyland. Don't worry. You know, use my, use my credit card or my equity membership at the market. Don't worry. She couldn't get on the ferry. I'd go get and fight with the ferry people. Let her on the ferry. She's my guest. And I felt sorry for her because of her son. And so it was really, you know, she never knew where I was born. She didn't know if I had any sisters, if I had any brothers, how long I'd be married. She didn't know anything about me because it was all about her. But I didn't care because she was just one of these people that I adopted to take care of for a period of time because I felt she was going through a rough patch. She had this kid, and I would help her. Mm -hmm. And so it was genuinely from not expecting anything in return. I really didn't expect any return, anything in return from her because I felt she could never do her anything for me. What could she do for me? And everyone on Fisher Island trashed her and talked about her and said, get her off the island, and she's trolling looking for a man, and she can't be here, and they tried to get her off. And I went to the board and stood up to keep her on. They tried to kick the kid out of the school. I went and negotiated right. to get him in the school. I helped her because I felt she was an underdog. So when the reunion came along and those girls started attacking me, and she didn't stand up for me, 
is when I turned, when I when I was furious with her because she knew who I was. She knows the kind of person I am. She knew what I had done for her, and for her to sit there and when they are attacking me, and then Andy says, "Well, how do you feel about that, Adrian?" Well, you know, I'm just shocked. I mean, I didn't know all these things about Leah. Well, like she didn't know because they're all lies. Right. Number one and number two, she didn't know anything about me because only thing she wanted me for was to use me, and that's what she did. And what was your relationship with Frederick at that point? I mean, it had to have been strange for him if he didn't, if he was somehow complicit in understanding the fiscal benefits that came from her friendship with you, and he didn't involve himself. That's sort of strange well, for me. Well, this is what happened, and these are the facts. She can spend it however she wants. She met him in October. On November the 5th, they applied for a marriage license, and on December the 5th, they were 5th or 6th, they got married behind everyone's back. She brought Frederick to me. What do you think? She introduced me at lunch, whatever, one day at Fisher Island. At Fisher Island, everybody's just there. So it's right. not like you're having lunch with someone. It's like everybody's got their own table and everyone's talking. And I said, how cute. And, and I was rooting for Frederick because I thought he was a nice guy and I thought he'd be good for her and it would settle her down and she'd have someone to help take care of her. And translation also helped get her off my payroll. Sure. So I'm like, go for it. Then they go get married, don't tell anybody. The next thing I know, the school tuition is due, and he won't give her the $15,000 for her kid's second half. Well, the kid had been in the school for five years and paid one semester of tuition. So they were going to kick her out. So I went and negotiated with the board. They said we cannot have any freebies in the school because mm -hmm. we the, the school's $350,000 in debt. So I said, if I can raise the three fifty, dollars will you forgive the debt and let him stay in the school? So I wrote out a check for $15,000. And I went and got 20 of my friends right. to write out the checks. And I got them all together. I didn't turn them in until I got to the 350. When I got them in, I took them to the board, Steve Kerr, the chairman of the board. And I said, he gave 15000 or 10. And I said, here's all the money, but you've got to make sure before you pay off this debt that he gets his past tuition dismissed and he gets to continue school here for the next two years. And he said, fine. And that was the end of the story. That's what I did for her. Then, turns out, she realizes that Frederick doesn't have any money and that the four or five apartments that he's managing are his bosses and that the hotel he's working for isn't his and the boat that they're on is the bosses. And she realizes he doesn't have any money. So now what does she do? She goes, you know, my son, I can't, I can't, my son doesn't want me to be married, so we can't be married and pretends to be single. Why? So she can go out and find a guy with money. So now I think she's just dating Frederick and she's coming to me going, oh, need to meet some other guys and I'm fixing her up with guys on oh, dates. Better One putting her on jets. Putting on jets and, and spending money on her because I had no idea they were married. And she just wanted to pretend to be single till she could find the next guy with money. I mean, I was wondering, I was going to ask you if they were ever living and on that yacht. Happened. Did they ever make their journey onto the boat full time to sail into no. the yonder? No. no? That no. didn't I come to know. I, what I have heard is that that the boat is actually his boss's. I don't know if that's true. I mean, it true. was in huge disrepair, and certainly. Two, so I don't know. And then recently I heard that they were getting divorced, but then oh. I heard someone saw them together, so I really don't really? know. Really? So I really don't know because I cut my ties with her because I can't. How can you trust Did you ever like miss that? that relationship or it was severed so no, because clearly because I didn't because of miss it because once someone went out, and then when she came on the show and said, you only did these things for me so you could brag about it on the show. Okay, I did these things for you five Eight years, years before the show, or seven years before the show ever came on. By the way, I got her on the show 
so she could get the money to oh. help pay her kid's tuition when he left that school to go to the next school. I got her on the show so she would have that money. They turned her down three times. I begged the producers to get her on the show, and at the end, they said they weren't going to put her on the show. And I begged them, and then when I said I wasn't going to do the show, they said, well, we're not letting her do it either because she doesn't have any connection to any of the other girls. That was one of the reasons I decided to go ahead and do the damn show, was to make sure to get her on it. Do you think that this would have become even crazier had there been a season four? It would have been crazy if everyone would have fessed up and told the truth, but they had a pact. True. And once you have a pack and I cover for you and you cover for me, and no matter what I do and say, we're going to lie together and we're just going to lie and tell our stories together, then there's just no show. Because these shows are about relationships. There right. is no relationship when you've got people that no matter what, they're just going to stick together and lie for each other and cover for each other and stick to a storyline that they've written on their own. What do you think about the fact that the Miami franchise is no longer airing new episodes and yet the lawsuit with Joanna and Brandy is somehow, shockingly, still going on. Which seems insane. It seems ridiculous. I mean, and that there are news stories happening, you know, Lisa Vanderpump allegedly being subpoenaed to provide some sort of character witness assessment. Is that something that you've discussed with Joanna? I've has discussed your husband it with given, all of them. Has I've your been, husband given legal advice? I mean, what? No, my husband hasn't given her legal advice, but I know Lisa Vanderpump before she was on the show, so I have a relationship with her. I knew Brandy when she was just getting on the show, so I had a relationship with her, and then I knew jo- Joanna. So I knew all the, you know, I know all of them, independent of the show. Got it. So I told Joanna a thousand different ways not to do it and to drop it. You're bringing attention to something that you shouldn't, don't want to bring attention to. Right. And there's no cheese at the end of the tunnel. When you sue somebody, they got to have money that you can get. She has none. And so why are you taking a single mom that's already struggling and trying to try to get money from her that she doesn't have? What was her response? She just said that, you know, a big part of it was Roman and a big part of it she just wasn't, she just, I can't even remember, but a lot of it was Roman and a lot of it was that she just wasn't going to let her get away with it pretty much. Do you think there will ever be a resolution or is this something that will just be extensive legal costs for the next several years with no end in sight? I don't know. That I don't know. What I, I don't really know. I don't, I think if there's a legal resolution, I don't know what it's going to be because even if she gets a judgment, you know, first of all, how do you prove whether it's true or not true? Right. You know, and then she drags Muhammad into it, and then you know, then she, and then and then Adriana brings it up that Muhammad and Joanna were having an affair. She brought that up at, at the reunion. Right. She doesn't have any evidence of that. She heard that from Brandy at the upfront. Right. She doesn't have any evidence of it. I mean, these girls just throw out these aspersions that they have no evidence for. But I told Joanna, make light of it, turn it into a joke, and move on. Joanna is also one of those interesting cases because she was a cast member on Miami, but really it seemed like her life was based in L.A. So when they're talking about future worlds for members of the Real Housewife of Miami franchise, there was a sort of a fan question, do you think that um, that Joanna could potentially spin off into the Beverly Hills She tried to get on the Beverly Hills show. Did they say no? Yeah, they didn't do, they do, at that time they didn't want to do crossovers. Or at least that was one of the reasons. Oh, wow. I don't know if that was the only reason, but I know that she did want to get on that show. Before and, Miami? No, after, or after Miami. Yeah. Well, one of the, see, what happened when the show, after season three, Joanna went to Bravo and got out of her contract. She didn't want to stay part of the Miami show. And that sort of was 
part of the beginning, I think, of, of the end, you know, because it was just, there were just so many lines that were crossed that you can't, you cannot wrestle with these girls. These girls, you know, like they say, you know, when you get in a fight with a pig, the pig gets dirty right. <laughs> and enjoys it. I mean, you, there's no love that they won't go to. And Joanna's got trying to get a modeling career going. She's trying right. to get an acting career going. And she just thought it was just too, too love. And, and in truthfully, truthfully, it was because the things they would say, they had no evidence for. You know, I think it's fine to, to make an accusation against someone if it's grounded in fact and you say clear this up or apologize for it. But when you just make it up and it comes out of nowhere, you know what I mean? Sure. And then I, I just don't think that it's right to do that. I mean, when I say something, I have some basis for believing it to be true. And if I'm not sure it's true, I'll say I'm not 100% sure, but this is what I heard. This is, I think this might be. Or I won't say it at all. But they'll put it out there like Donald Trump does. Like, this is the truth. Right. So Joanna was interested in being on Beverly Hills. Correct. Production said not so much, essentially. I don't know if it was production or if it was Bravo. Got it. What are your thoughts? Do you still have a place in LA? Have you ever considered joining, joining well, the I've California Well, uh, I have a place in LA, and I've been living there 11 years, part of the time. Uh, Joanna lives there more time than she lives here. I live here more time than I live there, but I live there. I mean, I have a house there. I've had it there for 11 years. I just bought a bigger house there, so I'm there. My kid's out of college and will be into college in two and a half years, so we may base out of there if he gets in school out there. But they've never asked me to be on the show. <laughs> so that's not even a, there's not a, you know, what they haven't asked me, so that wouldn't even be anything to consider. Do you think Miami would ever come back or no? Um, I don't think so, but I don't know. I think the fat lady sang, and I think, you know, I think these girls just killed off the golden goose. I mean, I think that they just ran the show into the ground. I could see there possibly being potential for it, especially because, you know, they started Potomac, which is, it's, Potomac's okay. They yeah. started Dallas, which I but think they had significant casting yeah. issues. But that's an indication to me the show won't come back. Because they're investing in other franchises? <laughs> because if franchises? they're investing in other franchises when they already had a show here that they invested three seasons in and then they didn't bring it back, but yet they'll go bring more sh other shows in other cities back, to me that's just evidence that they're done with Miami. Do you think that you would ever appear on another reality um, series? Well, I mean, it would depend on what it was, you know. Do you have an ongoing relationship with Bravo? Yeah, I have a good relationship with everybody at Bravo. I, I'm actually... I have a great relationship with all of them because I was never one of the divas that made all these demands. I right. mean, you believe some of the demands these girls make with their salaries, with their makeup, with their car, with their this, with their that. <clears throat> I was just like, you know, be reasonable with me and, right. and I'll do my thing, you know. You were also an interesting example because there was one moment where you said something, I'm deeply, deeply paraphrasing, but you said something along the lines of, you know, I don't live my life for the show. I bring the show into my life. And Gosh, that's what I do. Oh, my God. Jen, But that was something that was really felt, and it was really yeah. real. And I think that's why you were such a fan favorite, and also why, years later, people want to hear from you. They want to see your life. I do get tweets two and three and four times a week, sometimes three and four times a day, asking me about the show or get back on TV or why don't you go to Beverly Hills or why don't they bring up bring back the show. I get a lot of that, but I just sort of assumed everybody got it. So I don't know. They don't. Well, there you go. <laughs> just to there let you know, go. they don't. And <laughs> right? Oh, you that's he does the social media and the oh, digital. Oh, great. <clears throat> 
I look at what the other ones are also like the kind of engagement they get. Yeah. And they say you do that. Um, they don't talk about it as much. Not like they do for Miami. I mean, sure. there's a hunger for it still. And Miami is such an interesting place because it's such a vibrant city yes. in a way that it's not. Yeah. I mean, Dallas, Potomac. There's not as much flavor. Miami, yeah. you feel yeah. like the drama yeah. should be in the water well, here. I will say that I could name five or six girls in Miami, whether I was ever on a show again or not, because I've kind of moved on. I, I, I haven't even thought about it, but that would be great for TV. There are tons of girls that live in Miami that would really be great for TV, that would be organic and authentic and real and put it all out there. Andy Cohen, are you listening? And, oh, <laughs> and they're fabulous, and, and they look the part and the whole thing. You know, but I just think when you have these shows, you you know, you cannot get people that are desperate. Desperate right. people will do desperate things. And desperate people that have never had any recognition in their life or any success in their life, they get on these shows, and I swear they're like E.T. following the light to the camera. They just mm. can't get enough of it. They be just become obsessed. And they, I mean, one of these idiots said, oh, God, she said, oh, the paparazzi's following me everywhere I go. I leave. When I come, when I leave my house, they're in the bushes. I'm like... You live in a fucking high rise on the tenth floor. How are, the <laughs> How are they in the bushes? I mean, they're, oh, crazy. No. they're delusional, and they are, they'll call people depressed and go, "Oh, there's going to be a celebrity at such, so 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 house at the beach, or this and that and the other," and then they'll go as a celebrity. And then the photographer's like, well, "Where's the celebrity? Oh, I guess they didn't show, but I'm here." I mean, come on, if you're that desperate for attention, you don't need to be on these shows. You've got to get people that have something to lose, a lot right. to gain, and that really are real people. Like, I really didn't change my life for the show. I put the show into my life, and that's just how it is. I can look back on that show, and there's nothing my 15-year-old son could ever look and say, my mom embarrassed me about right. it. Because I wouldn't embarrass him in real life. Why would I embarrass him on the show? Do you stay in touch with any of the housewives from the other franchises that you may mm -hmm. have connected with at Upfronts or other press events? Well, I knew Sonia from the Cannes Film Festival from years ago. Oh, how Sonia. How Sonia. And I love Sonia. She's one of my favorite people. I feel like she's she's just got one of those hearts of gold. She never says anything bad about anybody. She lets them get away with everything, and she'll finally stand up for herself. And she's just a, a ditzy blonde adorable to me. So I knew her. And then, you know, Brandy got mad because I sent out a tweet about that. In July. Oh, right, about the lawsuit. God. And it's hilarious because I was defending her. I told Joanna, drop it. So I don't keep up with her anymore. I used to. She used to come to my parties. And um, I keep up with some of the other reality people like Jeff Lewis or Jenny Fulos. Oh, great. Jeff, you know, friendly. I knew Jenny the first season she was on the show. She was at my house in L.A. before the show even really got oh, a name. That's fantastic. So, so I know, I know, I know, I knew Lisa Vanderpump before she was ever on the show. And I've kept a relationship with her and her husband. Lisa Rennie used to come to my house at parties and with her husband, Harry, before she was on the show. Mm. So most of the relationships I have with these girls are I didn't meet them from the show. I met them outside of the show some way. Do you regret being on Housewives, or are you happy that you did it? Oh, I don't know. I haven't thought about it. Do I regret it, Jason? <laughs> I don't think you regret it. I, do you think I regret it? it? I don't think regret it. Well, I mean, it was a lot of my time. I don't really regret it. I do feel like I put a whole lot of time into something that never really paid off. You know, I feel like bad about it, because mm -hmm. if I invested six months out of the year for 
three years into anything, right. <laughs> I just have more to show for it than that. But other than that, I would say no. And it wasn't wasted time. It's just time I would have spent on something that would have probably been more productive long term. You know. You are also, though, in this sort of exclusive community of people that have experienced something that yeah, so many others will never experience. get close to. Well, in that regard, I, I, I liked it because I met a lot of people and I have relationships with a lot of people, whether it be with Bravo or the production team or the first year's production team. I still even maintain a relationship with them. I've maintained a lot of relationships with a lot of people that I met because of the show, whether they were the senior executive or the president of Bravo or whether they were just, you know, cleaning up the mess after the crew. You know, I maintained relationships with a lot of people that I met through the show. And speaking of relationships, one final question. Yeah. How is Freda? Oh, God, Freda. Is Freda, Freda still with us? She's still with us. She just voted last week. Who did she team. vote for? Oh, no, I'm so scared. It's her first time ever. Wait, she's a Florida voter. Her vote counts more than mine. Yeah. Do we know who she voted for? She voted for uh, Hillary and Patrick Murphy. Because okay, I great. Love Patrick Murphy, and she won. I told her, it's you vote for who you want to, Freda. And she said, oh, no, I don't like him. I don't like him. I mean, as the mayor of Miami, can I ask? Who has your vote? Oh, I've been. T if you follow me on Twitter, you know who has my vote because yeah. I'm a very uh, strong Democrat. Uh, yeah, definitely. But I'm a moderate Democrat. I'm not an extreme Democrat. Like I wasn't a Bernie supporter. I like Bernie. I don't have a problem with him. But I'm not. A, I don't want a socialist country. I don't want a real uh, to the point that's so liberal that mm -hmm. it's more like Europe. I want a moderate centrist government. And that's one of the things I like about Hillary. Bill was that way, and uh, uh, Barack was that way. Right. You know? Did you have any relationships with the Clintons through? Uh, just through, like everyone else does, but okay. not like a, I had a fundraising event. Yeah, and such. I had. I'm a, I would closer relationship with Joe Biden and Barack Obama than I would have with the Clintons. But uh, and, and then I Uncle Joe, money for everybody. I mean, Harry Reid, Nancy Pelosi, right? Al Franken. I mean, John Conyers. I've raised money for been to the yeah for all of them, but um, I, I usually don't go for. Um, people that are extreme in either party, you got know, it. more common sense. Everybody's got to compromise, you know, Absolutely. You, you just, everybody has to, whether you want to or not, you can't govern any other way. So I've been a big, I think Hillary's the most qualified person to ever run for president. I think she's, her credentials speak for themselves. And that email thing is just ridiculous. And my husband said, that is just, even Lisa Rice and, uh, What's his name? Uh, Colin Powell said it's just a witch right. hunt, you know. And if you look back, there were like 300 soldiers killed at one embassy on, you know, um, Reagan's clock and mm -hmm. 1,200 on, you know, Bush's clock and all these embassy killings around the world. There were four, unfortunately, on Hillary's watch, and they have turned it into like burning people at the stake. And then the emails, if you look, uh, Bush, they lost 22 million. Uh, Colin Powell, it showed in the WikiLeaks email, right. that he used the same kind right. of system that she did, and no one's made a big deal. They dogged the Clintons from the time Bill became governor of Arkansas. They started out with with Whitewater, which happened years before he was in the governor's mansion. So they just dogged the Clintons. They right-wing hate them. They just hate them. They don't like them because, one, they get things done, and two, they don't like their policies. Well, listeners, you've heard it here first from the mayor of Miami herself. Um, Leah, it has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much Have for you. having me. How much trouble, world. <laughs> I think you're going to be okay. I'm going to 
horrible. I don't care. <laughs> what do I, what do I do? And listeners, follow Leah Black on social media, Twitter, Facebook, your weekly show on Facebook Live. Yeah, it's at noon on Wednesday. Noon yeah. at Wednesdays, listeners. And um, thank you so much oh, for being a part of, of our special show. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers from Miami. Oh, my God. I hope you had fun. Well, absolutely. <laughs> thank you.